Hi there, it's Sue, and you're listening to a special 12-part series of Maker to Master, Find and Fix What's Not Working in Your Small Business. This is part seven. Given that many of us are sequestered at home right now, I wanted to do something to balance out the pull to watching the news over and over again. The best thing we can do right now is stay healthy, mentally and physically. That means being active. Go outside for a walk each day, lift weights, or get on your home bike, and think about how you can use this newfound time to be productive. Wouldn't it be great to come out of these times stronger in mind, body, and business? Towards that end, here are a few chapters of my book. Listen to all 12 episodes to hear it in its entirety. On Mondays, I'm sticking with our regular podcast, and then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you'll get these special editions. If you'd like to purchase a hard copy, you can do so on Amazon or at giftbizunwrapped.com. Are you discouraged because your business right now isn't performing as you envisioned? Do you tell people everything is wonderful when inside your stomach is churning because you know it's not true? This book will help you identify where the holes are in your business and show you exactly how to fix them. You'll learn from owners just like you who are seeing real success, growing their companies, and living their dream. In this book, find out how to confirm your business is set up correctly to provide the foundation for growth how to implement pricing strategies that bring in sales and make you money, how to effortlessly attract new customers every day, and balance the making of your product with the running of your business. And finally, you'll discover how to ensure that your business stays open and grows over time. Let's get right to it, shall we? Chapter 28 I want to know you. The money is in the list. This is a common statement of online marketing gurus. It's true, not just for them, though. An email list is an asset for every company. It's through your email list that you can stay in touch with prospects and customers. It's important here to differentiate between email lists and social media followers. I don't want you to feel a false sense of security and pass up this section on emails because you're thinking about the 8,624 followers you have on your business Facebook page. These are two completely different things. An email list is a business asset that you own. Nobody can take those contacts away from you unless somebody opts out of your list. You can talk to your email connections anytime you want and rest easy knowing that they are a growing asset that will be here tomorrow. Regardless of the platform, social media followers are not people you can communicate with except on that platform. What if Facebook changes their rules, yet again, or worse, your account gets shut down? If that were to happen to you, you lose all contact with every single follower you had. This has happened to people I know. Facebook jail is a real thing and some never get out, which means they had to start all over again. Sure, you can rebuild your followers, but you're building a house on sand. It can all be washed away again, and the devastation is completely out of your control. But your email list is a treasure. 
If you were to sell your business someday, there are real dollars exchanged for the quality and quantity of a company's email list. Best practices are to capture emails and separate them into categories based on different variables. Some systems call this tagging. You can tag people as being customers or prospects. You can tag them by what products they buy, if they took advantage of a special offer, or if they only purchased during the busy holiday season. Separating and tagging is important. It allows you to write emails worded so they relate specifically to that audience. Your email recipients then feel like you are talking directly to them. But it all starts with having an email list in the first place. Let's talk about ways you can collect email addresses. Here are some ideas. Website newsletter sign up. Free raffles at checkout in your store. When they place an order online. Event-specific drawings like sidewalk sales. Business cards you exchange at networking events, not in bulk, but individually. I'm sure you can add your own magic sprinkles on top of this list and easily double it. To make it legal, you must clearly state somewhere that when they provide their email, they are giving you permission to communicate with them. Even if you're not sure what to do with emails you capture, start collecting them today. Every email contact you pass up is a lost sales opportunity for the future. Chapter 29. Always write, not. A restaurant in my community has a sign behind the register that reads, There is only one boss, the customer. He can fire everybody in the company from the chairman on down simply by spending his money elsewhere. A customer has the right to be a patron of the establishment of their choice, but I don't think that a customer is always right. As business owners, we should not sacrifice our company values or be taken advantage of in order to retain a customer. A disgruntled customer should always be heard and understood, but there are times when you need to stand your ground in a friendly and compassionate way. Acceptance of your position by the customer in most cases will be determined by the way you phrase your comments. You always want to show that you value a customer's business and you never want to insult their character. Arguments get you nowhere. Here are some situations when you should stand your ground. One, actions that go against your company policies or principles. At the Ribbon Print Company, we have a policy that we treat all customers equally. I believe trust and loyalty result from consistent actions and expectations. For example, our proprietary software is highly guarded. We have bolted down security on it with good reason. People have tried to steal our code. Luckily, our system is solid, but expensive. It's our policy that the software is only accessible to the first owner of a ribbon printer. If that printer is sold, the software does not transfer over to a second buyer they need to purchase it themselves. This is also because of the level of support we provide and the commitment that when we update the program, all existing users get the updates at no extra charge. We honor this policy completely. That way, anyone who sells or buys a ribbon printer will have the same experience. Imagine if someone bought a used printer and found out later that someone else didn't need to buy the software it would result in bitterness and a loss of trust that would be hard to win back. Two, unreasonable requests. 
I don't think customers always intend to be unreasonable. They just aren't informed about the hoops you need to jump through to fill their request. Many requests are outside of what you do as a business in the first place, and customers want it done at no charge, of course. This is a danger zone. You may be tempted to help out a customer, but it will drain time and resources. It will also produce an undesirable result because it's not what you're in business to do. I urge you not to be swayed into doing anything and everything to save one client. It drains your time and energy. You are then losing opportunities to service your ideal customer. If a request is not in your area of expertise, the best approach is to explain why you cannot agree to the customer's idea. If possible, point them in the direction of someone who can help. Three, abusive behavior. If a customer gets abusive with their language or physically abusive, it's over, period. In the end, whether you sell a product or provide a service, it's all about relationships. As much as you want to please everybody, you should not be taken advantage of because you own a business and the customer should always be right. If you've done everything reasonable and your customer is still complaining, then maybe it's just not a good match. That's the time to respectfully part ways and move on. Chapter 30. It's over. It's sad, but sometimes it has to be done. You have to fire a customer. I hear you saying, what? And lose out on the sales from that customer? The answer is yes, and it's better for you in the long run. There are times when you and a customer are just not the right fit. Here are some examples of when this is the case. 1. Lack of skills to use the product or service. Using the ribbon print company as an example, again, you only need basic computer skills to use the system. However, there have been times when we'll get a customer who doesn't know how to save a file, or there will be somebody who doesn't understand you need to double click to open a program. In this case, we suggest they find a basic computer class and come back to us when they've completed their training. We are not in the business of teaching someone how to use a computer. Two, out-of-bounds employee interactions. I've experienced situations where a customer is unreasonable. They continue to show frustration for a product that isn't made to do what they want it to do. Or they refuse to follow our suggestion for troubleshooting. Then they continue to get a poor outcome because they aren't using the product as it's intended. Understandably, this results in frustration, but when it escalates to insults, swearing, or name-calling, it's time to end the conversation. If this type of behavior continues in the next interaction, my team knows they should explain that they don't communicate in that way and will need to stop doing business together. 3. Personal health or emotional issues. Life happens. Sometimes our customers are thrown curveballs that prevent them from making progress with a project or goal. This usually applies to services such as coaching or time-sensitive training programs. Sometimes customers don't even recognize themselves that the best course of action is to delay or stop working together. You can always pick up again when the situation gets better. In the end, doing what is right for your employees and your customers can be a fine line. Sometimes tough decisions need to be made. Chapter 31. Wait. What? 
Why do we sit behind a closed door trying to anticipate what our customers want? We strategize for hours on which promotion will get them excited to buy, or which new scarf style would be the best pattern for class. Guess what? There's an easier way to do this. Ask them. Ask your customer what they want. Then go a step past asking. Really hear what they are telling you and the messages they are giving you. They will hand you information on the proverbial silver platter. They'll give you answers to all of your questions that tell you exactly how to grow your business. Sometimes what they say is obvious, but other times it will surprise you. For Ryan, it led to a complete repositioning of her company. Gaspera Flora started out with a focus on providing hotel welcome gifts for weddings. Being in San Diego, she's in a prime location for destination weddings and surrounded by lots of venues she could approach for business. As she presented her concept to big hotels and boutique inns, she started to see a common pattern in their responses. They loved her product, but looked at it for more than weddings. They were interested in using her products for corporate gifts instead. This was not what Ryan expected, but being the savvy business owner that she is, she listened and truly heard the underlying need that her product could fill. It didn't take long for Ryan to pivot her business focus to corporate gifting. That resulted in sales naturally coming her way. All you have to do is look online at the beautiful gifts she creates and the businesses she's working with. You'll see what a wise choice she's made. If she had not been attentive and listened to what her prospects were telling her, she probably would still have a stable business, but nothing like what she has today. Not all customer ideas need to result in as dramatic a shift as Ryan's, but you might discover new product options, or there may be new paid service opportunities. A new income stream or system improvement is always worth discovering. These lead to new customers and new sales. And it all begins by listening. We've just covered how to turn your customers into advocates of your brand. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But how do you get these customers in the first place? The good news is you have lots of options here. Getting business. Come visit. Tony's subs is always jam-packed with people. Claire's salon hardly ever has availability for walk-in manicures. Jessica's craft fair table is so packed with people, you never get a chance to say hi. There's a secret to making this happen. It is not one thing you do that magically attracts customers. It's a number of things done regularly that creates a steady flow of faces into your store or viewers landing on your website. You can pick and choose which ones feel best to you, or switch them up as you wish. Chapter 32, One Plus One. When you first enter the business world, you start making connections and building your circle of contacts, your network. If you are an established business owner, you already have a network. It may be small or large, depending on your time in business and how much you've been out and about. Connections form through networking meetings and participating in events in your community. They also form by attending conferences and trade shows. They are customers, vendors, fellow business owners in your community, as well as peers within your industry. As you learn more and more about the people you meet, 
you may discover that they need services others in your network provide. Connecting two people together for their mutual benefit is a powerful business activity, even though there's no obvious advantage for you. When you help connect others, your professional and personal reputation rises. Going into a conversation with the idea of identifying ways to help others leads to interesting conversations, too. It will get you past the boring, hello, what do you do, introduction. Why not talk about business successes, today's challenges, or common thoughts on business strategy? These discussions are so much more rewarding than boring, expected niceties. When meeting someone for the first time, the purpose of your conversation is not to sell. It is to understand their business and how you can help them. Your relationships will grow over time. That's why repetitive networking is important. As you see the same people again and again, a bond and level of trust develops. This results in both parties being more likely to open up and share. A friend comes to mind as a great example. Years ago, she was one of my sales associates. Chris was a top performer and model employee. She had something else really special too, something she still has today. Her network is huge and growing all the time. She understands the power of connecting people who can use the assistance of another to advance their business. Over the years, Chris has worked at several companies and continues to be a star. She advances by her choice and regularly gets offers to consider new opportunities. Sometimes it's because one of her managers leaves and wants to take her with them. Other times it's a client who wants to hire her because they recognize her skills and strong track record. What has always stood out to me with Chris is her ability to unselfishly connect people together for their common good. She is exceptional in this area, and I know this has a lot to do with the high level of success she has today. Creating a reputation like Chris has is the goal of networking. Doors open easily, and opportunities present themselves when you're not even looking. That's a wrap for this session of Maker to Master, and I look forward to sharing the rest of the book with you in upcoming episodes. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.